Hey there. Ever feel like you just need a break from the day-to-day of work, put on that out of office and be alongside peers learning from fellow nonprofits and industry experts on what they see working when it comes to fundraising, marketing, growing a monthly giving program, retention, everything that encompasses what you do? Well, if so, I have two events for you to mark down. June 4th and 5th is Donor Perfect's Community Conference Spark. It is for any fundraiser wanting to excel in donor management, program innovation, community engagement, and organizational growth, and it is free. So click the link in the show notes to register. And then an event that I have attended three years in a row is the NEO Summit, combining practical, actionable, and very data-informed content with also this really electric and immersive atmosphere. The NEO Summit is more than just a conference. It is a really fun and great place to get away from your desk and innovate your fundraising and accelerate your impact. So you can join hundreds of your fellow nonprofit professionals in Indianapolis in September on the 18th and 19th. And you can save $600 on your ticket right here. It is the lowest price available anywhere. So click the link in the show notes for both of these events. They are incredible. They put on an incredible speaker presentation, all tons of great resources for you. Invest in yourself and the growth of your organization by attending these two phenomenal events. Running a business is such a big self-development journey. And there are so many barriers and mindset issues that you have to work through. And I didn't realize how much data-driven marketing can help you stop from gaslighting yourself. Hey there, you're listening to the Missions to Movements podcast, and I'm your host, Dana Snyder, digital strategist for nonprofits and founder and CEO of Positive Equation. This show highlights the digital strategies of organizations making a positive impact in the world. Ready to learn the latest trends, actionable tips, and the real stories from behind the feed? Let's transform your mission into a movement. I can't stress the importance of having access to data and understanding your data to drive important business decisions. In today's episode, I am joined by SEO and marketing expert, Pri Kruyan. She is my personal go-to for all things data. And we will discuss what exactly is data-driven marketing, what three questions are important to ask yourself when reviewing your data, and what you need to know about Google's new analytics tool, GA4. Let's go meet Pri. All right, everyone. Today is going to be a really fun conversation because you know that I love talking all things data and analytics. And so I wanted to bring in an expert, Pri Kruyan is a multi-passionate doer who has spent 15 years working across a ton of different marketing disciplines. Pri, I'm really excited that you're here. Welcome to Missions to Movements. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. So I love data and I think it really plays a vital role in all of the business decisions that we make. So how did you get started in this past 15 years, Summarize, like how did you get started in all things <laughs> SEO, marketing, and data analytics? Do you know, I get asked this question all the time. <laughs> and it's the number one question that I really, I really struggle to answer. Because unlike a lot of people, the experience wasn't linear. 
you know, I didn't just wake up one morning and go, I'm going to be an SEO. In fact, I don't know any SEO who started (laughs) off like that. It's not a career that most people pick. But I started as a marketing exec for an events company while I lived abroad. This whole story, I have to tell it because it is so cringeworthy, but it shows you what things were like. So we're going all the way back to 2009. And I was working for this guy who started this startup. And it was an events company for like the international market. And this was way before social media. So we're talking old school marketing, like banner ads on people's websites. You know, we're talking print advertising. And he was so convinced that we were going to blow up. On the first day, he had like family come in to like shadow and answer calls and emails and it was crickets it was like there was nothing I don't think we got our first paying client until like the seventh month or something and so my job was to basically market this business and I was doing as much as I could I think Twitter just started to get a little bit big but I'd spent like five months blogging on Blogspot also known as Blogger back in the day and it wasn't until the web designer that we worked with turned around and was like, you should probably have a look at SEO. And it's really funny because now when I talk to other SEOs about my journey, I did a lot of spammy stuff, which you'd never see right now. Like (laughs) you could easily like just email someone and be like, hey, I think we're a really good fit. Do you want to swap banners? And you'd put like this ugly ass banner in someone's footer on the homepage. And so you'd scroll and it would just be like, 20 scrolls of like banners from random websites. <laughs> That's awful. It was so bad. I mean, you can't do it now anyways, because it's so spammy. But back then it worked. And so, yeah, I kind of fell into SEO. Eventually, after working with small creative businesses, I decided to go into the corporate world because I had this real, I guess like imposter syndrome. Like mm. I felt like I wasn't good enough because I was self-taught. So I went into the corporate world where I was for like five years. Which I would say everything I feel like in the digital world and social, especially for like our generation was self-taught because yeah, there was nothing because it was, we were growing up like as it was happening. Yeah. That was the only option. There were no college classes on the things that were in real time being like produced and happening. <laughs> But I mean, even now, you can't get qualified in SEO. You can do courses, but there's no Mm. official qualification. But at the time, I was so adamant. And I ended up going to corporate, did five years here, smashed it all, won multiple awards, and then just kind of hit burnout, really. Yeah. And that's, you know, for the last, I want to say, five years, I've run my business alongside working full time. And then the pandemic hit in 2020 most people were slowing down and I just went, oh no, I've got an extra 15 hours in my schedule because I'm not commuting. And I just pushed even harder and it broke me. I ended up leaving my corporate role because I was so unhappy. And that's really where I had a look at my business because I was offering done for you services to Mm -hmm. businesses doing SEO. And I was just like, I really hate my business right now. And I want to hit the reset button. And so in there. Yeah. As you know, I've again hit the reset button only like a month ago. And it was because I started to see what we were really struggling with as online businesses is we have all these marketing strategies, but no one's teaching us what to do after we do the implementation. Mm. And 
that experience of like marketing data and analytics is so strong in the corporate world and yet it hasn't been transferred into the online space and so it's been a bit of a challenge I won't lie because people understand and know that they need what I can offer them but there's no official job title it's not well known in the online space and so you know, the kind of recent reset with my own business and like rebranding to my name and everything was to kind of really bring in the SEO side of things and the marketing strategy and the data within one space. So it can really offer people a better kind of customer journey. Which is so needed. And I think part of maybe why it's difficult from the business sense is because if the internal team doesn't have a clear understanding of how it works, then there's like an intimidation factor. But like when someone says data-driven marketing, I feel like it's intimidation and it's like, this is complicated. This is going to be too much. Like we're not going to know what to do with this. But why do you really think that having that marketing data is so important in a business? Because we've made running a business so hard. For whatever reason, we're told like it has to be really difficult and we have to be really busy. And the reality of it is once you start using marketing data in your business, you realize you could probably cut out about 70, 80% of what you're doing because it's not actually returning any investment. So from like a business perspective, that really works. But I think even from like whatever you want to call yourself, a founder, a CEO, you know, whatever label you're giving yourself as a business owner, Running a business is such a big self-development journey and there are so many barriers and mindset issues that you have to work through. And I didn't realize how much data-driven marketing can help you stop from gaslighting yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because it takes the emotion out, right? Data essentially is just fact. It's black and white. There's no gray area. But everything in business we do turns into this gray area. And so essentially by using data, you don't have to worry about things. You don't have to be like, you know, let's use the example of launching, which I think is like the biggest question mark in everyone's business, right? It will make or break you on like an emotional level, but also on a business level, right? (laughs) So launching without a data-driven marketing can be really chaotic. It can really... If you've launched and you're not getting sales or you're not getting people visiting your website, that can throw you off into a spiral. Yeah. But once you've got the data in the background and you know, like, okay, we have made these decisions based on what we know has happened and this is what we've projected, it doesn't matter if you hit that target in the first two days or in the first 10 days because you know that it's black and white and it's going to happen. And as you're going through each day, because you've got the data there, you can actually change things in real time so you're not missing out on any opportunity. So let's say if you're doing a launch and you're doing Facebook and Instagram ads, Pinterest ads, and you've got an Instagram campaign going, you're actively posting an Instagram and you've got an email marketing campaign going as well. If you notice all of a sudden that your organic Instagram is not performing, but one of your ads, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest is performing, in that moment, you can make a decision as the business owner to scrap what's happening on Instagram organic and put all your energy into ads. Yeah. And something that I love that you have is you've built these dashboards that make that easier to view and to see. Because I think 
One thing is to have access to the data, right? We have to know how to pull it in. And then the second half is how to do the analysis. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important. I was having a discussion leading up to a panel with the head of digital engagement for the Red Cross. And I was asking about their team, their social team. And she's like, Dana, I could not do my job without our data analyst and creating the visualizations. And I think that's such a missed role in organizations that people don't have that can really inform business decisions. And you shared a blog post that I really enjoyed about vanity metrics. And there's a series of questions that you tell people to ask themselves when viewing certain metrics. Can you walk us through each of those? I think it's a really good kind of just like checklist of what to think through when you are viewing certain stats. Yeah. So for anyone that's not familiar with vanity metrics, it's essentially metrics that we measure because that's what we assume is going to make a big impact in our business. But the reality of it is, in the kind of wider landscape of things, it doesn't give us enough information. So vanity metrics could be like the number of subscribers you've got on your email list, how many follows you've got on Instagram, you know, those top level things that impact us every day. And you know, in the long term, don't impact our bottom line. But then we're like, what do we do with those? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, they are useful. And, you know, we can use Instagram as an example. But for me and my own business, I don't look at them. I could not tell you how many email subscribers I have. I couldn't tell you how many people unfollow me. Because it, at the end of the day, all I'm really worried about is the impact that I make and how much money I'm making. Because I can take that money and put it into other resources you know I don't really talk about this but I sponsor quite a lot of women in developing countries who are entrepreneurs and set up their own business so a big part of me is like I could really worry about I mean I set up a new Instagram account I don't even think I've hit 100 followers on there and that's okay because I'm still making money so that's kind of the reasoning behind vanity metrics you know so let's get back to those questions. The first question I always ask is, what is the business decision that I can make from that metric? So what am I actually going to do with it? There's no point just having a bunch of data that you're not going to use going forward because it's just going to confuse you. Mm-hmm. And it will just make you think, why is this not moving? So let's use Instagram because everyone is obsessed with Instagram <laughs> followers. I could be sitting here saying, I think I've got like less than 100 followers. Why are people not following me? what's wrong. You know, maybe I need to shift my whole business, all of my marketing because people aren't following me. Mm. But followers doesn't mean anything. Followers could be bots. They could be competitors just spying on me. It could be someone that just followed me by mistake. So, you know, what decision can I make with the number of followers? Not a huge amount. You'd need to engage them further to see whether it's worth it. Then it'd be like, you know, what will I be able to use this data for? And can I repeat it? Again, With this example, it doesn't matter. So I wouldn't be able to use the data again. And I'm going to use an example of what data we can use on Instagram to show you a way to use it properly. And then the final question is, you know, what is this data actually telling me? Is this the truth? Instagram is just one part of your marketing strategy. I hope it's one part of your marketing strategy. And different segments of your audience is going to be on different platforms. And Mm -hmm. so just because things aren't going well for you on Instagram doesn't mean that the rest of your marketing is struggling. Yeah. So that's kind of the vanity example. Then you've got the valid example. We'll use Instagram again. So 
One of the great ways to use this, and again, I would say use it with use it in a strategic point of view, is really having a look at your engagement metrics. So I don't necessarily look at likes, but I do look at comments, saves, and shares. Obviously, shares dependent on where you are in the country right. or where you are in the world, because in Europe, here at least, we don't have that metric. Oh, that's interesting. GDPR, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that that affected that. That's fascinating. Yeah. I think it might be the same in California. I know yeah. there's a lot more places. So I know Brazil's brought out their own version of like GDPR, which is really interesting. Having to learn all the stuff because of the new GA4 stuff. So Which we're going to get into in just <laughs> a second, everyone. <laughs> yeah. We're yeah. going to get into the nitty gritty. If you're like, what the heck is GA4? Just hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. So let's use valid metrics. So let's use those engagement metrics. Essentially, you can use them in a really good or a really, let's not say good or bad, you can use them strategically, or you can come at them from an ego point of view. Mm. So coming from an ego point of view is literally like, how much engagement do I have? Like, how many likes do I have? How many shares do I have? How many saves, etc. Coming at it from a strategic point of view would actually be to sit there, you know, perhaps at the end of the month or at the beginning of the month and go, okay, out of my content, what's resonated? And so you can start making those decisions, right? So with those metrics, what business decisions can you make? Well, if you know that certain topics or certain designs or certain concepts that you shared are really resonating with your audience, that's something you can take further. You know, you can start creating more content for that, or you can start exploring whether you want to do a program for it or a webinar. You know, that's something that you can take and run in your business because your audience wants to know more about it. Yeah. The second question was, you know, are you going to be able to use that data and repeat the same result? Well, yeah, as long as you create creating content and people engage with you, those metrics you can use month after month and really see the difference in what's happening. And then, you know, is the data telling me the truth? Well, it's a bit hard. It's just one layer of data. You need to kind of really sit there over time and see if you can start spotting trends. And I see people doing this all the time. Sometimes you you will have a look at people's profiles and they will have tons of different graphic styles and like quotes and images. And then you'll see that they start to really refine their feed and they're using very standard templates. And to me, that's a clear sign that someone sat there and had a look at the analytics of the Instagram account and gone, okay, I know if I post this type of graphic or this image, I get a lot more engagement. And so that's how you can really use valid versus vanity metrics to really identify what's going on. Love that. And that probably is going to evolve over time as the platforms evolve over time, as your audience evolves over time, all of those things. And I think really the crucial part of all of this is we've got to just pause, right? And take the time to review. I think we're constantly in that like hamster wheel of like going, 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 but really sit down, give yourself the time to look at the data, to do this analysis, ask yourself these three questions to then be able to substantially help yourself in being more effective and efficient with your time. So love those. These days, so much giving happens online, right? Through a laptop or a phone screen that as a donor can sometimes start to feel a little transactional. I enter my credit card number, I get an automated email back, and I could give to an organization for years without ever interacting with a human. 
And that's where Instill comes into play. Instill is a new nonprofit platform designed to make it easy, and I cannot say that enough, easy for you to build a personalized human relationship with your supporters that keeps them coming back for years and years. I have done numerous demos, so I can speak this totally truthfully about their platform. I love their very user-friendly built-in workflows for cultivation and stewardship. It is a super clean, simple look at their data that really captures all the ways that your supporters contribute and something really cool for all those days that you're on the go. They have a fully mobile interface to access all of your information. So to learn more about Instill, click the link in the show notes. So I want to jump into what you had just kind of teased recently. (laughs) So for those of you that don't know, I talk about Google Analytics a lot because it has led a lot of my content decisions and business decisions within the past year. So Google Analytics is an incredibly great free tool for any organization to utilize that helps you provide really detailed website information. And they announced recently that the existing Google Analytics tool, which is called Universal Analytics, that we all currently use, is going to stop tracking data on July 1st of 2023. Now, you might be thinking, well, Dana, that's so far off. but You want to start prepping ahead of time so that you can get this new tool, GA4, up and running. So I wanted to ask you, A, why is this switch happening? Why is Google transitioning from this universal analytics to this new GA4? Yeah, so the whole thing is technology has changed so much since the universal analytics tool came out that it's essentially a really pointless tool right now for us. So Mm. if we just look at it from the perspective of this was built before we were out and about browsing on mobile phones or we were browsing on tablets or apps exist, the current tool is so old in the way that it processes information that it's not giving us all the data that we have accessed available to us. And so from my experience, having worked in corporate, I know that GA4 was 100% built with the bigger organization in mind. In the corporate world, we knew about this, you know, halfway through, well, at the beginning of 2020, when we'd seen it roll out to what it is now. So from a technology point of view, it's really encompassing the way that we now browse as people on our phones, on our tablets. We do a lot of cross-browser, cross-browser browsing. Oh, that was a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and essentially what that just means is you could be in your home office looking at something on your break. And then, you know, you might go and have a look at it on your mobile, perhaps when you're doing the school run. And then when you go home in the evening, you might be watching TV and having a look at it on your tablet. Yeah. The current way that GA works, you can track it. It just needs a lot of customization. So one of the perks of the new version is this does it automatically for you, which is great. Another part and so many people are talking about this now, and I love it, is this whole concept of privacy, right? So there are so many changes happening in the world where people as organizations and also as individuals are wanting more privacy. And so we've seen things like iOS updates, Chrome is coming out with a whole new kind of privacy-led update. And it's really allowing the user, so people like us browsing, to take advantage and make sure that we're not being tracked. And so what's really cool about the new tool is right now in the current tool, 
it has a lot of missing information but you're just missing that information. So if someone comes on your website and they ask not to be tracked or, you know, they're an incognito browser, you don't have access to that data. Right. But the new version of Google Analytics 4, once it has enough data on your account, it will be able to use AI technology to give you the missing percentage. So let's say if you can only track 70% of your data, the machine will be able to learn and give you the remaining 30% based on what trends are going. And it has some really cool features. Like it can tell you how many people you can expect to buy from you in like 28 days, which is fantastic. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. What is that? Is that based off of the amount of traffic or visits of certain pages on the site or certain event completions? Like how do they... It will basically be based on the data that you have and the way that you've set things up. So we're moving away from hit data, which is currently what we're using, or view data. That's primarily what we've been focusing on. But now the new version is actually focusing on event data. Okay. So event is anything. You can pretty much set up an event to be whatever you want it to be. And that becomes really fascinating to me because I've always been of the mindset of, Focus on what the conversion point is. Right. You know, yes, traffic is really important, but just because you increase traffic doesn't mean you're going to increase conversions. And so a lot of the work that I've been doing with my clients up until this point is helping them understand what measurement is and how they can implement that in their business. And so a key part of setting up GA4 now is it's no longer like an out of the box kind of platform. You need to set it up with your own measurement goals in sight. You need to know what's important for your business. And so I feel like it's going to give more power to individuals or business owners because right now there's so much data and it's not useful. Right. Like a lot of people say, like, I opened the account and I don't know what it is, so I just don't bother. Right. Well, how much more improvement is it going to be if you know these are the five data points that are really important to me. And when I open my account, this is literally what I need to look at. Yeah, like you're asking yourselves, these are the questions that I want to be able to answer on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis. Mm -hmm. And if you know that you can pay someone like Pri, which I am about to do, and she's going to help me do this for my (laughs) business, is I want to know quickly, right? And efficiently that the right data points are leading me to answer these questions. And that way I can tinker what I need to in my marketing funnel. And I think that's a really crucial point. Like if you have Google Analytics right now and you're not looking at it because you think it's intimidating or confusing or whatever, and you switch to GA4 and you don't set up these parameters, then it's going to be the same thing. There is no information. Right. There is literally no information in there because it's just a bog standard basic set up. And I think one of the problems that Google made, they've been telling people to upgrade. This isn't an upgrade. It's not like an iPhone where you just go buy like a bigger model or a smaller model. This is a whole new platform. And so there's a really big learning curve. You know, I I sent an email, Danny, I'm sure you would have seen it. I sent an email a couple of weeks ago when I was saying, imagine it's like going from the Nokia 3210 to like the new iPhone. Yeah, You can literally just play Snake. On your Nokia. Uh, yeah, that's exactly where my brain went when you said that was me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that was the only game you could play with the new yeah. iPhone. You know, you can do podcasts, you can listen to stuff, you know, you could 
call someone on the other side of the world. I mean, this is such a big jump. Yeah. And so, you know, my personal frustration has been GA4 was designed with the bigger businesses, you know, the corporate businesses, the multi-billion pound businesses. Mm-hmm. No one's thinking about the small man, like businesses like us. Okay, we're not, you know, we're not small businesses, but yeah. in comparison, no one is really focusing on what we need. And so, you know, I've kind of taken it as my own personal mission is to help people make that transition because the current version of Google Analytics is going to be around until the end of next year. So they're going to stop tracking on the 1st of July, like you said, but there'll still be six months of where you can have the data. Although it's not technically an accurate representation. Exactly. Right. But it's still better than having no data. Right. 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 Like if you had to sit there and say, if someone said, do I not use data or do I use Google Analytics data? right now yeah use the analytics data what's the time frame do you think of the transition like if somebody's like okay i know this is important i know i need to transition from mm-hmm. universal to ga4 how much time would you say that somebody should give themselves that really depends on your business model the thing with google is that they are continuously kind of releasing updates So right now, what I'm really saying to people is set it up and set it up correctly Mm -hmm. and let the tool just capture all the data that you need. So, you know, yes, there's some great tutorials on YouTube that will literally tell you how to put the code on your website, but you need to go that step further and you need to think, okay, what am I measuring? Yeah. And even for my own analytics, like I've gone to that point and I've left it because the reality of it is the current version of my GA, you know, Universal Analytics is enough for me to make decisions. And it's not that it's not, you know, it's quite and quite not accurate in the fact that I don't have all the information, but the limited information that I do have is enough to make decisions. Yeah. And so with the new version of GA4, it's going to be one of those things where you set it up, you go in, you test around with it, you play around with it. So when it comes to next year and the old version is gone, you're not sitting there going, I don't know what to do. By that time, you should be comfortable enough to be like, okay, if I need to know where this information is, I know what to do. And the beauty of it is, while there's no migration because of the way information is collected and stored, you can still download all your current information from Universal Analytics. I was wondering that. So GA4 will not, and I think I've noticed this in my current, I was wondering if it was just catching up, it will not include historical data. Yeah, there's no historical data until you set it up. Got it. Yep. You know, that's where the kind of mismarketing of like, it's an upgrade. It's not. It's two completely different systems. And so eventually at one point you'll be able to, I mean, you can still do it now, but it's better to wait closer to the time. You'll be able to download all of your universal analytics data. So if you do want to go back, let's say if at the beginning of 2024, you want to go back and have a look at something you did in 2022, you'd still be able to do that. Yeah, to do your year-over-year comparisons. That's a really good point. What do you think about... I know there's data and then there's like our intuition on things in making decisions. What do you think as far as leaning into one versus the other or when to lean into one versus the other? You can't do without both. Ooh. That's like the simple point. If you understand the energetics, 
you've got the masculine, which is the doing, you know, it's very strategic. And then you've got the feminine, which is very in flow. And so essentially, we're having a look at the energetics of a business, you need that masculine shell to flow in your business. And so for me, the data side has always been the what the what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Where's the strategy behind it? And then the intuition really falls into when am I doing it? So good. Yeah. Because if I'm constantly just in my feminine, I know that I will end up worrying about things or second guessing myself. But once I've got that data in the background, it doesn't matter. But you know, the way that I use intuition is I will purposefully schedule things out according to my cycle. So I know that when I have a lot of stuff that needs a lot of processing and, you know, I need to be really switched on, I will do that when I'm ovulating. Yeah. So that's where I have a lot of energy and I know like, okay, this is the time that I can do all the heavy lifting, a lot more client work. If I've got a project going, that is where the majority of the work's going. So I like to really mix the two. I get a lot of people saying, oh, but if you use data, you're not using your intuition. And I'm like, I don't feel like you've quite understood it's not one or the other. Like you can 100% use both. Yeah, it's actually fascinating. I listened to, I think it was on Jenna Kutcher's podcast, but she had somebody literally come on and talk about your period flow and when you should be doing certain things in your business and when you should not be doing certain things. And it was fascinating. Like blew my mind. I'll have to try and find that episode and link it somewhere. But let's kind of put this into action. So I launched a LinkedIn poll and... 46%, nearly half of people voted that they have a hard time converting traffic. Mm -hmm. They're getting people to their site. And I'm sure you see this all the time, but they're not converting. And in my world, a lot of times that can be to donations. What do you think are the most common errors that you see that make this happen? So number one, I think a lot of people make a lot of barriers to get to that point of conversion. Mm. Yes. So you need to make the journey to someone finding you to, let's say, making that donation as simple as possible. Don't like make them go through like five different pages. It should be like within two pages, depending on yeah. your website. I think another part is people really misunderstand the importance of design. Amen. <laughs> yes. Design is so important. If you're using, let's say, if you, you know, you don't have a budget, you don't have a team for a web designer, it's completely fine. But you need to make sure that the template you're choosing not only looks good, but converts as well. And one of my pet peeves is now anyone these days can become a web designer. When I, I did web design, it was really hard to be a web designer and actually sell your templates. But now it's so easy. But the biggest issue with that is you can get a really beautiful looking template, but the page speed might suck because Mm. the designer doesn't understand how to optimize it. Just think of the amount of times you're out and about on your mobile and you've gone to a website and it's taken too long to download. you get like the spinning wheel of death and you're like, I'm out. Exactly. So, you know, it depends on the split of your website traffic. Maybe you're more desktop heavy, but even then, like you need a fast website because the faster the website, the more conversions you're going to get. Yes. And there's a tool for that too. Can't you just search on Google like page speed tool? Yeah, you can use page speed insights. It's not my preferred one just because I do feel like it's more focused towards the really techie side of things. I like GT metrics. Okay. If you sign up for a tool, you can actually change the location. So you can, 
you know, do it in like Canada or in my case, London, which is pretty cool. And that gives you actual insights of like what specifically is causing your website to slow down. And then I think if you're struggling to get website traffic in the first place, you really need to deep dive into where are your best donations coming from in the first place yes. and what your current strategy is and why it's not working. And it will be yeah. there in the data. It all goes back to that data and then use your intuition and the strategy to put it into practice. So good. So Pri, I want to ask you, there's two sections to end yeah. with. And one is we must know. So Pri, okay. we must know, is there a social media or digital platform that you're intrigued by right now? Yes and no. So I have this real love-hate relationship with Instagram. Okay. <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I love the community aspect of people. I love connecting yeah. with people. I despise the constant pressure to post. So what I'm finding really intriguing right now is the concept of the nine grid, which probably by the time this drops, I would have done on mine. But the idea is you essentially create just nine grids on your Instagram profile to go with like one service. So I've decided in particular, mine's going to be measurement marketing. So everything we've been speaking about today and within those nine grids, within those nine images or graphics, you basically explain what you do, why someone should work with you. And I've seen some people decide that they are no longer posting What I've decided to do is I will keep my grid like that. And whenever I feel the need or feel that creative urge, I will still do reels or I will do lives and just have that within their own tab. Yeah. But I'm really intrigued because I'm seeing so many people talking about it right now. And I feel like Instagram is making life harder. They're making it easier for creators who like have all the time in the world, but businesses like us, they're making it so hard and we have to jump through so many hoops. It would not surprise me if this is the next version of Instagram marketing that we're seeing. Really fascinating. What I've been contemplating too is they just launched the ability to pin posts. So I've gone through like previous posts of mine and I've pinned three to the top Mm -hmm. that... They are three posts that you can basically get a gist of who I am and what I do and what I offer Yeah, within those three. And I think I have a carousel post, a reel, and I forget what the third one is. And I also did three different types, I think, of content mm-hmm. of like media types. So kind of similar to your square. So like you can get a gist of who I am with these top three. And then my jam is the ad space. So... Yeah if there are certain new pieces of content that I wanted to create, but just not having to create them every single day, but I want them to reach a specific audience, then I'll just do Instagram ads. Yeah. And so therefore I'm still top of mind to the exact audience that I want to reach with the exact message instead of trying to rely on the organic traffic. But I agree. I do really enjoy the community aspect on Instagram, 100%. And I think that's one of the reasons why when people need to take breaks. I think it's often from that, I need to constantly create, 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 instead of let me just focus on the powerful community that's here. Yeah. That's really interesting. I want everyone, what is your Instagram account? It's at pre So I will drop it obviously below because it's a bit yeah. of a mouthful to pronounce. But yeah, find me. Like I'm sure by the time this is dropped, I will have a nine grid on there. You can see how it's going. Yeah, perfect. 
And then is there an account that you follow that you really love and enjoy and on which platform? Yeah, great question. I actually unfollowed everyone in Scrum. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? Yeah, I follow one account right now and it's for my lawyer. That's a good one to have. Yeah, I unfollowed everyone purely because there's so much noise right now. And I just feel like it's really bizarre. Instagram is actually my number one traffic source. Well, it was before I obviously pivoted my business. So as part of my rebrand, I scrapped all of my social media accounts and hit refresh. And I just have not been inspired to like get back onto the Instagram journey like since this rebrand. Well, what's funny about that is when I asked, I'm like part of a consultants group and I asked for an SEO, like Google Analytics expert and Tanya, a fellow friend of ours, mentioned you. And of course, the first thing she did was she sent me to your Instagram account. Yeah, because it's the only social media account that I have. (laughs) But not your website, not like an email. She sent me to your Instagram and I didn't, didn't even care or really look to see if you had posted recently or not, I just sent you a DM. And that's how our conversation started. So it was just the ability that you're there. But that's super funny. (laughs) So I have unfollowed everyone apart from my lawyer. But the one person that I now... I mean, I've refollowed this person from my personal account is actually this woman called Monica Yates. So her handle is Monica Yates Health. It's nothing to do with marketing. She is a trauma healer and a period coach. And she's great. Like I've worked with her one-on-one and she's really helped me break through a lot of the barriers I had in my childhood and growing up that I didn't realize were impacting my business. And Mm. so earlier when I was saying, you know, running a business really is a personal development plan. What I realized was I'd got to a certain point of success in my business where I had to start doing a lot of the shadow work and like trying to break through that ceiling yeah. of like, why am I the way that I am? Because if I don't break through this, I'm not going to be able to reach that next level for myself, but also I'm not going to be able to help more people. You know, yeah. that's really important. Yeah. My mission with my business is to help more women become financially independent. But if I'm spending so much time in my own head and I'm holding myself back, then not only am I doing a disservice to myself and my husband and, you know, my family, et cetera, but also all the other women that I could be helping as well. So yeah, definitely go check her out. She's very fiery. You will either love her or hate her. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way to about, you know, no two ways about it, but looking her up right now. Yeah, she's great. She's really helped me. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of women that resonate with this, but I really struggled with my cycle and I didn't realize how much of it was related to trauma. And so working with her has just given me so much space in my personal life, but also my business life too. Oh yeah. She looks fun. All right. Everyone, Monica Yates Health, we will link to her in the show notes. What a great suggestion. And I love that story that encapsulated everything about it as well. So I want to kind of turn the tables on you, Pri, and ask in this section, it's called Ask and Receive. What is one thing that you would like to ask for help or support on from the listeners? Oh, great. This is great. You know, the one thing that I'm really struggling with is to get measurement marketing out there. Oh, okay. Okay. That sounds ridiculous, but not a lot of people understand what the concept is. 
And so I think rather than me asking something personal from my own business, I would love if you just shared the word about this podcast, about me, about what you've learned and how it can help other people. Because that would mean a lot to me to be able to get this out in front of more businesses who can just, you know, I can help them make an impact and they can go and pass that forward onto other people as well. Oh, that's beautiful. And you guys, this is so needed. This is so necessary. Tell your colleagues, tell your boss, have them listen to this episode, understand the importance of data and understanding data and implementing that into your business decisions. Love that. Twofold. A, where can listeners connect with you, Pri? What's the where's the best place to go? Maybe Instagram, maybe not. Is <laughs> a hundred percent Instagram. <laughs> Look, like I said, I won't post that often, but I am on Instagram. You can catch me in the DMs. I do love the platform. I just don't like posting all the time. (laughs) Definitely come give me a follow and just reach out to me. And, you know, I'm available for like podcast episodes or like if you need training in your team, if you want like Google set up for you, whatever, just uh, reach out and I'd love to connect. Yes. And there'll be a link in the show notes. You have a brand new program that is coming out about GA4. What is that program going to encompass? So it's going to take you the journey from setting up your account. We're going to go much deeper than here's a piece of code. Like I'm actually going to show you how to use Google Tag Manager, which Mm, is another tool in itself. And the reason why we're going to use that is because once you start tracking things across like Facebook and Pinterest and your email provider, your website slows down quite a lot because you've got so much code on it. But actually using Google Tag Manager speeds it up because it's just one code that you put. So we're going to go through that setup. And then we're going to have a look at a measurement plan for your business, all the way to setting up your account properly. And because this is like a real time, like, you know, it's happening in real time, they're adding more features. This is going to be like a lifetime course. So you know, you can sign up and every single update you'll get, there's going to be a kind of self-study version for someone who's like quite savvy and tech friendly and wants to just crack on. Or there'll be one with some support where, you know, you can get in touch. We can have a look at your measurement plan together and kind of go from there. Awesome. So good. Every single person needs this course, needs this program. I need this program. I need this course. I need pre in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Because I honestly think this is one of, if not, the most important investments that you can make in your business. Hands down. Amen. So Pri, thank you so much for your time today and your generosity and your gift of sharing everything about data and analytics and marketing and all the things with us. It was a joy to talk to you and everyone go check out all the links in the show notes. Yeah. I'll be talking with you real soon, Pri. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hey, hey, thank you so much for just joining that episode with me and Pri. I did want to share a quick update with you that since the recording of this episode, Pri has decided to go in-house and work for an agency and close the doors on her business, which she had so much fun with, but has decided to take a different journey at this time. And I totally respect that. So for any of the items that were mentioned as services, I just wanted to let you know that those are not going to be available. But please reach out. If you have questions regarding getting set up with GA4, I would love to help direct you to a resource that can get you started because I think this is something super, super crucial to make sure that you have ready to go for your marketing in 2023. Can you tell I love talking all things digital? 
To make this show better, I'd be so grateful for your feedback. Leave a review, take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram stories, and tag Positive Equation with one E so I can reshare and connect with you.